This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone. My name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. And with me, as always, is Maxwell Vogue. Hey, Joris. How are you doing today? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. And who do we have on the 3D Pod today? Well, uh, we've got Enrico Galino with us today. Uh, Enrico is a senior engineer at Rico 3D. Well, he's working on, he's a materials guy, actually, a materials specialist working for Rico. And Rico is, of course, a giant company that is doing a number of different things in uh, the 3D printing realm, uh, including, well, the company has an SLS system, which it introduced in 2015. It's also about to, at one point, introduce a binder jet metal system. And it also has a 3D printing service and also offers like managed services and 3D printers for other people to clients. So it's a kind of very multi-strategy approach to 3D printing. So we'd love to hear much more about it. And uh, so, yeah, welcome on the show, Enrico. Hi, Joris. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for having me today. Really, really nice to be on this podcast today. And really exciting to, to share about more about what we do at, uh, at Rico in, uh, in the additive manufacturing space. It's, it's really exciting, I think, for large companies to Rico coming in. I mean, for a really long time, Rico made print heads uh, for other people uh, making 3D printers and additives. So it had an important role, but kind of like an unsung one. And then they, yeah, they, they came into the market, uh, you know, on a very, very different front, right? So, so you explain a little bit of that, like Rico's engagement generally with 3D printing? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, uh, you know, we started in uh, in 3D printing, uh, obviously providing printing at to other printing manufacturing companies. But uh, you know, we are we are a manufacturing at start as a company. We manufacture uh, uh, all of our device, you know, industrial printer, office printer, and web cameras, and we've been using additive manufacturing within uh, within the, the our operation for for many many years even before uh, launching our own uh, our own system and then in 2015 uh, we launched our uh, selective laser sintering printers on uh, on the market uh, on european market uh, which uh, was a still is a large uh, sls printer you can print uh, part with uh, Around the 500 uh, millimeter in, uh, in in length, uh, one of the USP of, of the printer was the capability to be able to uh, print uh, polypropylene. We were probably the first company able to to print polypropylene in SLS in a large in a large scale. So we we launched that uh, that 3D printer in uh, in 2000 uh, in 2015 on on the market, and we have been selling them the printer until 2000, uh, 2019 uh, and then at that time uh, we had a, a sort of a shift in the in the strategy uh, we stopped selling the printer and we sort of expanded our printing service that we operate from from the from the UK where I'm uh, I'm based and then in the last uh, in the last few years some development of new Hardware have uh, accelerated, so we are currently developing, as you said, our uh, metal binder jetting printer, and we are also working on, on ceramic printing. So quite exciting time for 
you know, for the AM activities within within Rico and for me as a as a material scientist. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Rico by the way because I have a Rico GR camera. Uh, I carry it with me every day and take a, and it's a fantastic camera. I love how well engineered it is. Actually, so that's why I have like a Rico camera in my pocket like every day. So uh, that's my personal kind of. Uh, it's also the only the only my, uh, the Rico thing I have. So, but but tell us a little bit because uh, you know Rico is kind of a sprawling conglomerate with. Like many divisions, like that, you do document management and paper printing, all that stuff. And is the three D printing is it like a separate thing? Is it like a shared service for the company? Uh, you know, or is it like a, a kind of a strategic initiative? How does it make sense? You know, how do you do it in such a large company to be like their three D printing unit? Sorry. Last year, we actually have a, a sort of a bit of a company company restructure. So we are now organizing five separate. Uh, division covering different type of uh, market and, and applications. So uh, the, the new development is actually, uh, and so the metal band rejecting fits in what we called Rico Futures. So under Rico Futures, uh, we are developing uh, the future technology for, for Rico. Rico is transforming from a, you know, an office printer or just printing company to a, a digital uh, service company, so making uh, uh, life easier for our customer in, uh, in, in the office in, in a nutshell. And also we have our 2D printing business, commercial industrial printer, and we are developing a certain number of, uh, of new, new technology that uh, will uh, sort of guarantee our, our business in, uh, in the future. And we are also uh, sort of our our target is sort of led basically by the sustainability message and helping sort of our customer being being more sustainable, more more efficient, and so 3D printing fits under this uh, new new technology that we are developing, and we also have some activities going on in our in our R and D division. So we, we do the early stage of the research in the in the R and D division, and once the technology is more mature, it's transferred either in one of the subdivision or in one or in uh, in Rico Futures. What what kind of actions are you guys taking directly now on the sustainability front? On the sustainability front, uh, one of the big uh, action and activities, which is not just related to to, to 3D printing, is basically working and operate with uh, renewable uh, energies on our plant, for example. In the plant where we are, we are based in Telford uh, in the UK, we are already operating on you know, 100% uh, renewable, uh, renewable energy. We have a uh, quite large uh, solar, solar plant as well, so we can produce our own our own energy on site. We try to sort of recycle as much of energy and heat created during uh, you know the operation of pumps and this kind of stuff in, in our plant. From an additive manufacturing perspective, for example, uh, one of the sort of the development of the uh, metal binder jetting is to develop aluminum aluminum part or uh, for example. Heat exchanger is one of the targeted applications. So, helping our customer develop a more more efficient device and ultimately uh, reduce the the CO the CO two emission. 
sort of we have a quite uh, wide range of uh, uh, recycling activities. Uh, a lot of the printers, office printer, we sell on the on the market when they come to their sort of end of life. They come back to some of, of our facility. They are uh, refurbished and put back on uh, on the market. So try to minimize what going to to landfill, for example. So this is a, just some of the the initiative going on within within Rico for um, sort of make our uh, sort of world and activities and our customers activity more sustainable so but that is that for you guys is it like some kind of heal the world kind of thing or is it like you think you need this or you think that that kind of efficiency is what the, the market will demand or what's the, the like the underlying business logic for, 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 for the environmental stuff yeah i think it's uh for you know going forward we we already seen the effect of the, <laughs> for example of the of the global warming so i think going forward for we feel that for our customer it's uh, it will be actually the sustainability and it will be an important factor in the decision making process to to buy buy products and uh, for their uh, for their development i think it will be more important than the probably the actual cost i think it's if you if you can provide solution that make process more more efficient and improve the you know the sustainability down the line i think that will be one of the main driver uh, in uh, in the future decision making process so we we trying to to align with that listen to our our customers and see what uh, what are their needs and develop a solution accordingly and on the 3d printing thing so right now the focus is on a service but you also kind of make machines is that so the one thing i noticed which was really funny i, I thought it was funny is that you guys have, for example, MGF listed on your website, which is like, this is the HP technology, right? <laughs> so, so at one point, you guys are like bought a machine from them and now are, are reselling HP as a service, right? Yeah, so we yeah we are offering the part printed on the multi-jet fusion technology. So that's uh, that's the part of the of the service. So it's uh, the idea is to serve our customer in in the best way they they need. And actually, mm -hmm. the the nylon twelve material is still a very popular material in in additive manufacturing, mm -hmm. especially in powder bed fusion. The multi jet fusion technology it's uh, really a, a good a good technology, very very efficient, very very robust. We are able to. To provide the part with the with the right properties at the right cost for uh, for our customer, and it's also for us being able to offer nylon 12. It's a sort of a entry point for for the customer, and then we can. Uh, the idea is to work with those customer in a in a strategic way, uh, educate them about what's uh, what's available in terms of other technology and other material that that we can offer and. Uh, help them in, uh, in in different in different ways. So, yeah, it's uh, I think it's uh, mm -hmm. quite complementary to uh, Rico SLS polypropylene. We 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 historically are are known. Okay, and and I think it's, it's really interesting. I'm a huge polypropylene fan as well. Like like it's a really used. It's a widely used polymer. I think the most one of the most widely used polymers, depending on how you, how you count it. But you know, why is it so significant? Why do you think it's so exciting to have that as a as a 3D printing technology? As you said, it's uh, probably one of the uh, most used 
material in uh, in conventional uh, in conventional manufacturing. Uh, so that's one of uh, that's one of the reason. The other reason is a material that is very versatile. It can be used in uh, in many many different many different applications. Uh, we see application in automotive, in uh, medical application, uh, consumer, industrial. So it, it's very packaging. It's a lot of different uh, application. It's uh, a material that is uh, very very stable from a from a chemical resistance point of view. It doesn't absorb water like nylon twelve, for example, mm-hmm. uh, does. Uh, it's very. It's a lot more and flexible for printing, you know, function like uh, live inches that are more difficult to produce mm-hmm. in, in nylon 12. With our polypropylene mm-hmm. material, we are able to, to produce uh, live inches and the material itself mm-hmm. is, can also be welded uh, or joined mm-hmm. with other uh, polypropylene parts and could be additive manufactured for the polypropylene part, but also injection mold and polypropylene parts a lot easier compared to to other material still comparing with uh, mm-hmm. with with nylon mm-hmm. 12 but that's sort of the the most used material so it's for us is also educating the the customer about what is actually possible to do uh, beyond uh, nylon 12 in terms of in terms of material and application I also love what I love about it is it's much softer as well for wearing on the yeah, skin. Yeah, it does feel much softer. Yeah, but like I, I was like once on a project we made a harness and it was like in in, in PA, PA twelve, and then it was just like everybody was like, oh yeah, it's going to be so much more comfortable because it's three D scanned to match the body, and I'm like, okay, well, make one for me and I'll wear it, you know, and it just doesn't work. It just scratches you. <laughs> so so I think polypropylene in that sense is a really soft material. I really like it because of that as well. Yeah, what, really. what was the biggest challenge with polypropylene with getting it to print? I think now we are at a stage where we master it from our uh, from our side. I think from a general point of view, people are always sort of struggle with printing large parts, having issue with uh, with uh, with curling. I know in in FDM is a difficult material to to print to get it stick to the to the to the platform. So for us, really, it's we are now able to print quite quite large large parts just to give an example i don't know if you have seen some of the the work we have been doing recently with gravity Industries. so we are printing their their backpack uh, for their mm-hmm. jet suite and the part is uh, probably in one length is probably just above 600 millimeter so we need to print that across the the build volume so it's a quite Big part, but we, we we can print that and with uh, with no issue, no particular issue with uh, with curling, for example. So it's uh, uh, that's I would say printing large part for us, uh, which could be a challenge uh, on with other with other technology or with other uh, polypropylene grade is something we can uh, we we master now really. In Gravity Industries, this is the guy. This is the guy with a jetpack, right? He's essentially making a jetpack. Right. If you've seen the guy fly a jetpack, it's probably this Gravity Industries guy. He's all over my LinkedIn feed, and and he's all over the place. This guy, and that's the guy you guys are working with, right? That's uh, the jetpack guy, right? 
Like yeah, goes yeah, up and yeah. does rescue mountain examples. <laughs> so, and do you see a lot of like differentiation for you guys? Like when a client comes in, when that client will get like, for example, MGF or uh, selective laser sintering for you guys, or does it really not matter? Is it for you guys just a question of materials because you just have like, you know, you have like the polyprobe on, uh, and then the, the MDPI-12 on a different system? For us, it's really offering the, the right uh, solution uh, for, for the right application. So we are a team of... Uh, Really a team of engineers, so it's it's really supporting the the customer in uh, in their decision making process and helping them selecting the right uh, the right material for 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 their application and having different material now nylon twelve and and polypropylene and we are looking at integrating more material in future. It, it's a way for mm-hmm. us to address that with uh, with the right solution. Really, you guys also have this really weird material, which I need to ask you about. This is this thermoset fire retardant kind of material. What is that? Yeah, so that's it's a collaboration with with, uh, with Tiger Tiger Coatings. Uh, so they are an Austrian company again developing in part of their business, uh, developing coating, and then they branched out and developed some material for for three D printing. So that's a quite a different material. So. People generally print uh, thermoplastic uh, on the selective laser sintering uh, process on the multi-jet fusion. So material that when you when you eat them, they will uh, they will melt, and then when they you you cool down, they will solidify. Whereas the the thermoset is actual chemical reaction happening in the process. So rather than uh, melting them, when you when you eat the material, the material will have a chemical reaction and uh, become cross-linked so it will improve the mechanical properties it will uh, when you when you eat it then once it's reticulated it will not it will not melt it will keep uh, its shape is uh, is flame retardant and it's uh, uh, inherent fl- flame retardancy is very good insulating uh, properties so again a material that and you can also print it at low temperature so rather than having to run your printer above 100 degrees Celsius. You can you can print the material at uh, 70 degrees. So it's uh, it's very quick, uh, very quick process from a from a processing point of view. But how does that work Wait. on a powder bed fusion yeah. machine? Because this doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you basically is, so, this, is this an FDM material? Or is this a powder material? No, it's, it's a powder material. It's a powder, powder okay. material, powder. and you use the the laser to make the chemical reaction happening. Basically, when you uh-huh. scan the powder with the with the laser, uh, with the powder, and the powder will uh, will react. Release chemically. the chemicals. It's a bit I didn't like know this until right now, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a bit like uh, imagine you have uh, you know in in your SLA process you have a liquid. The principle is the same, mm-hmm. and here is yeah. a is a is a solid solid transition. And are there any kind of like part properties that you're getting that are really much better than a powder, apart from like permeability and stuff like that, or I, I think it's the, really the, some chemical, uh, some chemical resistance. As I said, keeping the shape a high temperature because the material will not will not melt, so it will uh, will mm-hmm. just soften a bit, but it will not uh, it will not melt. Uh, the flame retardancy, which is something in uh, in uh, in the SLS space, you don't have uh, a lot of materials available with P zero flame retardant properties, so that's uh, mm-hmm. 
insulating properties yeah. very good uh, very good insulating properties and and now we as you probably know so we are also working on uh, on composite with uh, with impossible mm-hmm. object and again they are currently finalizing the the development of this material combined with with carbon fiber or glass fiber to make composite out of it so again that's another exciting development and impossible objects by the way is a yeah, it's a startup that has a, a kind of a layered layered carbon fiber matting kind of production technology right or am i explaining yes. that correctly or? yes correct so okay. it's like yeah, it's like an object. It's like a, a matted technology that was actually initially targeted a lot towards like uh, aerospace components, aerospace tooling, seats, I don't know, stuff like that. Uh, but now they're looking a little bit farther afield. Why do you guys like this technology? Because it, it's always been like something that for a lot of people is like, oh, this is great for the military people. But like for us, yeah, why? You know, why do you guys like it? Several reasons. It's uh, it's a process that is fast. It's uh, it's based on a on a two D printing uh, process. So you print on this carbon fiber or glass fiber sheet, and you stack them, and you you consolidate uh, those parts uh, under under it uh, and under under load. So definitely the speed, the the strength of those parts, because using those uh, fiber sheet with long fiber, you achieve uh, incredible strength. Uh, on the on the part looking at you know f- further right in future the the, ver- the versatility of the process because you basically can combine all sort of fiber with all sort of different thermoplastic even thermoset powder uh, as long mm-hmm. as you can create a powder that uh, you can spread and flow that's the that's the key requirement, really. You don't have to worry about uh, sintering window, like in uh, in, uh, in laser sintering on this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. As long as you can spread the powder, you you will be able to print scalability. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, as I said, it's a 3D printing process, so you can uh, potentially easy to to scale up. And then really, as I said, the, the strength of the part it's, it's really it's really impressive. Uh, and you said. Uh, Potentially, mainly targeting a military application. In fact, we we see a lot of many different applications beyond military or, or or aerospace for this type of uh, technology. We are working with some some transportation company. They you know that uh, impossible object. They even printed uh, jewelry with uh, with the technology application. One of the main application also is printing. Uh, uh, soldering pallet, uh, PCB soldering pallet for the uh, electronic industry. So jig fixture and, and tooling for demanding uh, demanding application and, and definitely composite. Again, yeah, is an area if, if we link to the again yeah, to the to the sustainability and reducing the CO2 emission, making stuff lighter, less energy consuming. So it's uh, it's all linked in, in the end as as we see. So. Mm-hmm. Metal replacement and replacing it with uh, with composite part. And what are the kind? Of, what's the kind of geometric freedom you have with this? Because it's like, is it basically? It's like it prints on a two D layer yes. and cuts away. Then no, it cuts away and then presses. No, presses and then cuts away the material. Right? Yeah. So correct. you know, it kind of looks like it could be great in looking making like kind of very unitary, kind of very solid looking kind of things. Or, or is that? 
Yeah, there are uh, there are some limitation in term of uh, in term of design, uh, which is mainly due to the the minimum wall thickness you you can print, which at the moment is between three and and two millimeter, and this is mainly related to the fact that when you compress the fiber during the consolidation process, uh, they once you remove the load, basically you will have a, like a spring effect on the fiber. Uh, mm-hmm. So there is a risk of delamination for very thin geometries. But again, the technology is still developing, and uh, with the, with the team at Impossible Object, we sort of like to challenge the, the technology mm-hmm. and, and try to to make mm-hmm. uh, you know push the limit of the geometry we can uh, we can print. But uh, yeah, I would say that's the main sort of limitation from a from a geometric uh, geometric point of view but printing uh, yeah. on the other end printing uh, uh, quite large part even like 280 300 millimeter in length part very flat with peak it's it's a challenge mm-hmm. with other technologies whereas mm-hmm. for the for the CBAM technology from impossible object it's something that is is really we say easy to do having those very very flat uh, uh, parts uh, even if they are quite uh, large and thin is there a material as, as a material scientist is there a particular material that you guys are developing that you're particularly in love with right now or think it's the greatest new thing or something yeah. you're working on that you could talk about yeah at the moment really the, the in terms of material uh, focus is really on the on the aluminum for uh, for for the binder jetting it's uh, it's a challenging material to center, but uh, you know historically we we love the challenge. We we've done it with with polypropylene thermoset was another sort of pioneering work, and now the aluminium it's uh, it's it's a challenging material to to center, but we we are up for the for the challenge really, and uh, you know we are leveraging uh, some of our core technologies knowledge and. Uh, and skill to to to, de- to develop that. And and aluminum, I mean, I think aluminum is really exciting because there's a lot of it. I mean, can you say which aluminum you're working on? Is that like uh, or not? It's it's fun to not be able to say that. At the moment, <laughs> we sort of focusing on two alloys, so aluminum silicon alloys for mainly for mm-hmm. the heat exchanger application, and mm-hmm. aluminum silicon uh, magnesium for parts mm-hmm. that require. Uh, slightly better mechanical properties, more more structural part. So that's sort of yeah. the two alloys we are uh, we are focusing on at the moment. Yeah, ALMCG ten or whatever that one. Right? Yeah. So the one I don't, I can't pronounce. <laughs> I don't have a name for it. <laughs> Everything else is really short. Three sixteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> now I have ALSMG ten. Okay. Um, now, but even the pronunciation I'm, I'm crazy is not easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, right. I just like I call it stupid aluminum. <laughs> that's because I hope somebody will come up with a better name for it. Uh, I just, I just literally can't. But why can't we just come up with something like Inconel? No, just call it. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but um, so heat exchangers and heat, heat sinks and stuff like that is something I'm, I'm crazy interested in this stuff, and you guys are as well. So you know, do, do you expect that to be a huge market? Or yeah, yeah, we we see a lot of the application. You know, company. You know, in the transportation industry. 
you know, automotive, uh, aerospace as well, with the uh, drive for, for electrification. That's, uh, that's, we see definitely uh, a market, uh, market there, semiconductor and, uh, you know, server and, you know, IT industry, definitely other, other applications. So yeah, definitely, definitely a lot of, uh, exciting, exciting application, but to be honest as well, you know, we sort of showcase this a few years ago at, uh, at Fornext and then, uh, the project went, uh, went sort of quiet for, for a bit and we showcase it again at Fornext last year. And then we, we came across, uh, application that we were not thinking uh, originally so it's it's really it's really good it was really good to to showcase the the technology and talk talk with customer talk about the, their uh, their application and, and now it's really uh, embarking with them in a on a on a co-creation journey where really together developing the, the application and developing uh, the material optimize the process and exciting to bring this technology to market really <laughs> yeah definitely 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 and I'll, I assume but, you can't tell us what the application is no <laughs> <laughs> no not no. at the moment stay tuned watch this space we'll stay tuned all right because <laughs> yeah. i think i think the, the interesting about heat exchanger is that okay so one thing i think is that Theoretically, of course, we can optimize the shape. We can give shapes that other people can't do, and, and we could even make that at, like different surface textures or different uh, kind of patterns on things that other people can't do. So I like that. But of course, wall thickness is always going to be a problem. Also, one thing that I think the uh, uh, Michael at Conflux explained to us is that we can give different characteristics uh, of the part throughout the, the change uh, of the material throughout uh, the heat exchanger. So when it comes to gas or liquid or heat and stuff like that, we can change the heat exchanger or uh, the heat sink throughout the, the thing. So that's, a, of course, really exciting. You can do that. Very, it's very difficult to do that with a traditional technology. But, you know, we're also going to have to worry about, like, things like, uh, you know, the, the, the wall thickness, which is, like, has to be really, really thick with us comparatively. Do you really see advantages for binder jet there? Yeah, we're still sort of, as I said, the technology is still under development, so we are challenging uh, ourselves and see how how thin we can go in terms of uh, in terms of wall thickness. So that's a still, uh, we say, work uh, work in progress. On the, on the other end, you know, once you have uh, defined a geometry that uh, that works and you have sort of developed the end to end and optimized the end to end process, then really is uh, productivity. Be really, you know, high for for binder jetting, and one of the other um, key feature of our uh, of our development is obviously in, in binder jetting when you when you've printed your parts and created those uh, dream parts are quite uh, quite fragile, and we develop also a way to remove the powder from those complex and intricate geometry. Even if you have very, very long and narrow channel, we are able to remove uh, the, the powder out of those structures. So we are able to create geometries that, uh, in theory, might be difficult really to create with uh, with binder jetting and uh, you know the strength uh, of the of the green parts you get out of the print. Okay, that could be really good because one of the problems is these green parts collapse under their own weight or through operator handling, right? That's like yeah, correct. They tend to self-destruct. 
So, and also, this also tends to be something you don't know or can kind of predict, but, but don't want to know in advance. So then all of a sudden you're, you find very late in the process as well. So that'd be really, a uh, really great step to take. Now, some people have presented BinderJet as kind of one of these solutions that can print everything. You've kind of hinted that, you know, difficult to center. It's also difficult to center and to predict these geometries, right? Uh, you know, so if the geometry changes or the wall thickness or uh, other things, then, then, um, our angles and things, then maybe the centering parameters would change as well, right? So do you see this as really kind of something that is solvable? Or do you think that the binary jet is really, you know, first going to be slated to be like a serial production technology rather than something that we throw a lot of different new parts at? Again, that's another an area where we are putting a lot of effort into it is, is really the, the, the centering and be able to, to predict how the, the part will... Uh, with the form uh, during during sintering, so really it's really important working with with customer and testing all different uh, different geometries to 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 learn and to develop the right software solution to to be able to 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 predict uh, how the part will uh, will deform and you know uh, basically print a deformed component to to get it right mm-hmm. at the at the end so that's that's sort of the the learning we are sort of developing at the at the moment really so we are working on on some exciting uh solution in uh in that space uh as well and, and ultimately what uh what you want from a from an end user point of view is not not need to go through several different sintering cycles to get your your parts right but Get them right first time when you when you center them, and this is what we are sort of aiming mm-hmm. from a, to make the the technology production ready. Yeah, definitely. I think that kind of thing, you know, either doing that through software or some kind of handling or whatever, is is uh, would I think be kind of the holy grail. I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I think it's a, it's an industry effort. It's probably not just us doing yeah. doing that, but other you know the competitors are doing, and uh, you know. Really, AM, mm-hmm. maturing AM mm-hmm. for me, it's really a, a community effort. It's uh, it's not one single player that uh, will sort of make the technology mature, but it's a it's a community effort. If you want to have like the the big manufacturing pie <laughs> to share at the end. Yeah, no, totally, totally. I agree. I agree. We can't all do it. We have to have volume, for example, right? And we have to get work with the materials companies, and they need validation. If you're the only one doing it, then they're not going to be like, "Oh, we'll go all in on Rico." You know, they, they need more people, they need more validation for them. I think. But um, and and then the same with software, and the same with all these other industrial partners as well. And yeah, and people need multiple sources of supply, especially nowadays. They're never going to say like, "Hey, I'm all, I'm only going to use you guys forever." You know, I think that's that's you know that's something in the past, but not not a pro, not after all these supply chain disruptions. I don't think anybody's going to do that. So. I do agree with you that you know i'm not as kind of maybe as like happy about everyone as you are <laughs> but, <laughs> but um but i'm uh, you know i do think we do need a lot of players develop in space and and so as a materials uh material scientist i mean i think for a long time we had just the materials at work now we saw then a lot of time it was just polyamide <laughs> you know or these kind of replica weird materials like it's kind of like abs only it's a 
uh, thermoset material and right. it's like ABS uh, light. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's ABS plus. No, it isn't ABS. Yeah. Um, uh, and now we're working on like much more kind of real materials or things like peak high temperature. Is there stuff that's missing? Are there stuff that, that you would really want to see that you're thinking like, oh my god, why don't we have that? Or why is that not being developed? I think the material are are there. There are, you know, if you take a powder bed fusion, we have uh, at some point I had a look, and I think there is already quite a good variety of material. I think, uh, yes, de- developing new material could be useful, but I think for me the the priority should be on educating end user on how to to use those uh, those material because you know we've been hearing. Uh, End user asking for for new materials for for many years. When you when you look at the at the survey done, materials always come up as you know a key requirement for additive manufacturing. But in the end, if you then look at the at the volumes for powder bed fusion, you end up with still eighty percent of the usage is still around polyamide. So for me, it's it's really yeah. uh, really educating the. Uh, the customer on the material we got uh, we got available and what is possible give them the confidence that those material are you know robust material you can uh, you can do serial production with them it's, they're not uh, they're not material for uh, you know for just visual uh, visual prototyping and uh, brittle and we have done quite a lot of work on our on our polypropylene we've done fatigue test we've done a UV resistance test so we, we really try to gather the data to give the, the end customer the, the confidence that the material will uh, will white stand and will uh, you know resist over time in uh, in a given application so I think developing those kind of data for the other materials available I think that Will be really valuable to instill the confidence to the customer to using more of the material available available so far. And what do you hope for Rico? Like, if you look at the next couple of years, where do you hope that you, that you, you know, your company will be? Where do you guys will be a part of it? Yeah, for us, we have on our side, as I said, uh, the development of uh, of the binder jetting uh, of the binder jetting technology so that's uh, that's definitely a priority f- for us and, and uh, really you know rico has always been known for offering printers so you know, that's uh, that could be could be great to have another printer again on uh, on the market and helping <laughs> customer solving problem that at the moment they may not have a solution for uh we are busy developing our uh, our printing service that's still uh, something that is that is growing you know we still have to to unlock we still believe we can unlock new new application again we've got some exciting process project going on where you know really helping a customer using additive manufacturing for for serial production and we want to uh, help more customer really using uh, uh, additive manufacturing for for production going beyond uh, beyond prototyping. So we we're really working with uh, some strategic long term uh, customer to help them, you know, realize the, the full benefit and, and power of uh, of additive manufacturing. And then we got the collaboration with 
with impossible object so again uh growing uh growing that side of uh of the business uh and you know uh developing again new application on uh, on the composite side of thing and have in the end a uh, sort of all around uh solution polymer composite metal we also got uh, some development in the in the ceramic space so really uh and our colleagues in the in the US working on healthcare solutions so we really having an all around 3d printing additive manufacturing offering for uh, for our customer and and will we see this kind of filter through in like the Rico consumer products and stuff? Because for example, there's a lot going on in Rico or in 3D printing cameras. You guys make cameras. Is there going to be like stuff available for consumers as well? Or at the moment, it's not uh, it's not clear. We've done some uh, some work actually on the on the camera f- with the binder jetting technology and with part of the development printing some heat exchanger for the for the 360 camera to to improve. Uh, Heat dissipation and uh, and efficiency. So you might not see in the 3D printing product as a as a customized one, or we might decide to develop. But uh, the idea is also to try to embed more and more uh, 3D printing also in our uh, in our product. Okay, all right. Well, I look forward to seeing that. And uh, thank you so much uh, for your time today, Enrico. No problem. I really really enjoyed uh, our our chat. Uh, and and Max, thank you for your time as well. Oh, that's fascinating. And thank you for listening. Uh, my name is Joris Peels. This is another episode of the 3D Pod. Have a great day. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.